It seems that no matter where you look, there's pop culture news flying around everywhere. But how can you keep up so you're ready to roll when a new episode of the Popcast comes out? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was one place where you could go to get all the news you want? Then boy do I have good news for you, because Flipboard is here to help. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard, and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Used by millions of people every day, Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. Get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. This is episode 20 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Popcast. Hi, Maureen. everybody, welcome. Maureen, how are you? Great, last episode of October. Last episode of October, wow. And boy, do we have an episode for you. Very spooky, scary episode. Ooh. Not really, it's not that scary. But we have been doing a lot of fall stuff lately. Have you noticed that? We went to a pumpkin patch. We did. Then we came home from said pumpkin patch and... I cooked a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. And made some pumpkin made bread. Made some pumpkin bread. But I also toasted some pumpkin seeds. Which Whose really, suggestion was that? That was your idea. Yeah. All the recipes I looked up initially said that you should use salt and olive oil. Josh went rogue. He I went, went rogue. totally rogue. I found another recipe that was sweet. I don't know I, why you need a recipe. Just sprinkle sugar and cinnamon all over well, them. Well, they turned out pretty well and I used the recipe. Yeah. It's so basically great. you coat the pumpkin seeds in butter and then cinnamon. And then when they come out of the oven, you sprinkle some sugar on top. They're delicious. Although it just made me think, should I just be eating the cinnamon sugar? What's the point of the pumpkin seeds? Just get rid of those and just eat the cinnamon sugar. Mm -hmm. In fact, just eat Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's pretty much what it is with pumpkin seeds instead of the Toast Crunch. Anyway, it's very fall and festive for this time of year. So, All right. Should we talk about the snack bag? What do we have? Let's jump into the snack bag. The first article I found this week was something I thought was hilarious. Basically, there was a robbery being investigated in England. Oh. And they showed surveillance footage. And who did it look like? The person in the surveillance footage looked like a spitting image of David Schwimmer, a.k.a. Ross Geller from Friends. Hilarious. What Did, did you think it looked like him? Yes, it looks just like it's him. It's a little bit grainy, but it looks so much like David Schwimmer. And I think the best part about the story is that because of the way that technology works and the way that the internet is these days, within 24 hours, David Schwimmer himself had responded to this rumor that was he this bandit who had stolen. And it looked like the guy was stealing a case of water. He or was beer, like, some kind of cans. Some, some sort of cans, but he was carrying he was carrying a cardboard box, a flimsy cardboard box, and then he was running out of the store and sort of glanced into the camera. So the best part about this was that David Schwimmer recreated this on his own and posted it to Twitter and said, I have an alibi that I wasn't there. I wasn't in England. And I just thought it was really funny. It is really funny. He basically says, I was in New York, but he, then he shows like a GIF, a GIF. I always hesitate because I don't know which way. I think, I think it's, it's GIF. GIF. Oh, I think it's GIF. Oh, I think it's like the peanut butter. No, I think the, 
I think it's not like the peanut butter. Okay. Internet, Hard tell G. us. Tell is us it, which it is. Yes. Is it gift? I won't or remember, gift? so it doesn't really matter. Anyway, he posted this, and it's like him basically being like, oh, I was in New York, but it's him doing the same thing. Yeah, like recreating with, it. With, you know, the cans of whatever on the cardboard box. Classic Ross Geller. It's really funny. Hats off to you, David Schwimmer. Like, you're playing ball. It's really funny. Yeah. Okay, our next snack bag topic. I came across this article that ranked the now that's what I call music albums. And apparently there have been 67 oh of my these gosh, albums. I can't even with that. So 67? We, won't, we won't go through the rankings because it's I'll, I'll link the article in the show notes and you can read it if you want. But it brought up a point that I wanted to discuss briefly, which is why are they still making? Because now, people must be buying them. There is no other reason that they would be making them. We used to have these CDs like in the car. It made sense. I feel sense. like my dad and Patty had It a made bunch. more sense back in the day when you wanted to find a compilation of whatever, quote unquote, the most popular music right, was at the time. because there was no, it's like the equivalent no of a mixtape. Yeah, right. there was no streaming. There was no like selecting your song. I mean. But in 2018, why do we still have this? In fact, I went on Spotify yesterday when I read this and now... 66, which was the second most recent one, was on Spotify. Why? It's just like a playlist. I, I mean, honey, someone's buying them. But who is making money when it's on Spotify? It's just, it, it is literally a playlist <laughs> of popular, quote unquote, popular songs. I did not understand why it was on Spotify. And weirdly, Spotify doesn't have all of the Now albums, but they do have Now That's What I Call Music Volume 13. And then they skip ahead to the 50s. So hmm. if you're really curious what was on 13, it is on Spotify. I just could not figure out why this is still a thing in 2018. But you're right. Someone must be buying it or they wouldn't keep making it. But I don't even know where you buy CDs. Can you buy a CD at Target? I was thinking about this and my mom just got a new car. And so I need to ask her if she even has a CD player in it. But like... I bet she doesn't. I bet she doesn't either. I mean, CDs are pretty much go on the way of vinyl like there's the, i mean although now vinyl's making a comeback so but but in a much more like this is yeah, an activity we're gonna yeah, sit down with nostalgic. like a beer or tea and like listen to records it's i don't not think like, cds will ever come back the way vinyl is coming back now so they're it's more like they're going the way of tapes yeah or or vhs's or even dvds are, are on the way honestly, like i don't know where you buy a cd because i don't know where you listen to a cd I have a bunch of CDs. I, I could still listen to them in my car, but they're just too cumbersome. I have to tell this quick little story because when Maureen got her computer in 2012, oh my gosh, 2013, so she, got a, she got a MacBook Pro. And when she got the computer in 2013 or whenever it was, it did not have a CD drive. I and, was very concerned. And she was, that was very concerned. This was five years ago, six, almost six years ago. So what Apple offered at the time was a separate cd drive that you could plug in via usb maureen said i have to get this i've never opened it it is still in the original <laughs> packaging in fact we're, we're just going to leave it there because at some point it's going to be worth some sort of money i was just i had a lot of like files that were on cds at the time and i oh didn't want to like lose files. access to them well you didn't lose access because you still have it in the box if you ever I need know. it let's move on to our next snack bag topic this is another article i saw the popular Enya song, Orinoco Flow, came out 30 years ago this week. Sail away, sail away, sail away. And it just reminded me that Enya is quite relaxing music. <laughs> I don't know what. 
it, it's really funny because when I read this article, I hadn't listened to Enya in years. And I think my parents had first introduced me to Enya by way of having a CD of hers and playing it in the car, playing it in the house. And I listened to some of the music this week, including Orinoco Flow. And it's just really like her voice is very soothing, sort of like the Celtic electronic mix. Did you listen to Enya when you were younger? I mean, I definitely heard that song. I don't think I had any Enya CDs, but I just remember that Enya was like a thing and it was pretty relaxing. Apparently, she's worth a whole lot of money and she's only ever released six albums. She doesn't tour and she doesn't really go on the road at all. So she's doing something right. Well, what about the other thing that this article said? It had, it was talking about... So my tangent here is that she must be doing something right. I think she's getting a bunch of royalties. Because they were talking about yeah. how this song is used in different TV shows and movies as kind of like a punchline. Or like a way to accentuate what they want to be a funny moment. Yeah, and she has gone on the record saying... She doesn't really mind that. She'll she'll license her music to to anybody if she is okay with the project. Heck yeah. I mean. And what she said that was actually really interesting was that, you know, when you're an artist, you just want your art to be remembered. And 30 years later, this song that is kind of silly is still being talked about. I mean, we're talking about it on a podcast. So I feel like she's doing something right. Good job, Enya. Let's talk about our last snack bag topic here, which is... Maureen came across an article, which which is published pretty much every month, but about movies leaving Netflix, because Netflix licenses some titles to be on their site, and then every so often those, those licenses run out. We just wanted to alert you all. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but November, come November 1st, what's leaving Netflix? Jurassic Park. They have a bunch of them on there. I don't know if it's every single one that's I think it's out, the, but... I think it's the three the original. Three. Yeah. Yeah. They're all leaving. So, and Land Before Time, the Ooh. animated dinosaur classic. So, if you're a dino fan, get to Netflix immediately. You have a couple days left. All right. We are going to move on to our marquee topic, but this week we have a little something special. And that is because I did a separate interview with a friend and colleague of mine, Tiara, and we talked about horror movies and we specifically talked about the Halloween franchise. And the new Halloween film that came out last weekend. She's awesome, you guys. You're going to love her. Let's throw over to that interview that I recorded earlier, and then Maureen and I will come back with our teasers. All right. We are on to our marquee topic this week, and we have a special guest. Uh, I am sitting down with a colleague and friend, Tiara Guy, and she is a big movie fan and probably a bigger movie fan than me. So I brought her on this week to talk about Halloween, the film franchise, and the new film that just came out, and also a little bit on horror movies in general, although we won't get super into that. A little bit of background. The original Halloween film, written and directed by John Carpenter, came out in 1978. It put Jamie Lee Curtis on the map. I think it was her first film role. And since the original, there have been seven sequels, only one of which did not feature the now infamous serial killer Michael Myers. That was the third installment, Season of the Witch. And I I think they realized that that didn't do very well at the box office, so they said, forget that, we're bringing Michael Myers back. There was actually a remake of the original film in 2007, directed by Rob Zombie. And then there was a sequel to the remake in 2009. And then there's the most recent film, also called Halloween, with no 
subtitle or anything like that, and released just last weekend, that is a direct sequel to the 1978 version, pretty much asking people to ignore all other iterations of the film and its sequels. It did really well at the box office. I guess people were not that confused because it made over $80 million in its first four days of release. So, Tiara, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So, you are a big fan of movies in general. And for those of you listening to the podcast who know me personally, you probably already know this. But for those of you who don't know me personally, I am a big scaredy cat when it comes to watching anything scary. And so that's why I asked Tiara to come on today, because Maureen is also a scaredy cat. So neither of us watch horror films that regularly. But Tiara likes horror films. I am a huge, avid film watcher. I loved movies my entire life. I studied digital video and cinema in college. And so I also have like a basic film history kind of foundation in that sense. But I just love movies. Okay, so you saw the most recent Halloween film on its opening weekend. So my first question for you is, and and I should say this up front, we are going to be spoiling some plot points from both the most recent film and some of the past iterations. So if you haven't seen the movie and you want to, just go ahead and bookmark this episode and come back after you've seen it. Or if you're like me and never going to see it and just are curious about horror films in general, keep listening. So first question is, how was the new movie and... Sub-question, was it better than the original? Was it worse? Did it successfully build on that original 1978 film? Well, kind of answer the second question first. I think it's really hard to ever say that a sequel is better than the original just because it's almost like a continuation of the same story. I liked the new one, I will say. I thought, and I told you this when I got out of it, the first half I thought was essentially kind of trash to me. And my husband would disagree with that. However... The first half really kind of played on a lot of the horror movie cliches where they tried to force things from the original to kind of matter in the first half of this, which, again, when you're trying to get rid of, you're trying to forget that none of the sequels now exist, right? It picks up as if the first one was the only one that happened, ignore everything else, which, fine, because you wouldn't have been able to have this film if you were keeping those other ones in mind. Spoiler alert, Lori dies right. in one of the, you know. Yeah, in the in, sixth, I think in the sixth iteration right? sequel, yeah. Um, in H2O, I think she dies. Or is it Resurrection? I think it's the beginning of Resurrection. But so she dies. So you can't have this movie without. And also she has a son in the other movies. and H2O, and Josh Hartnett is her right, son. And he doesn't exist. And now she has a daughter. <laughs> right. So I can see what you're saying about and, that. And the other big thing you're forced to forget is that Michael and Lori are related. Right. right. Isn't there even a line in the new movie where yes. where they say like, aren't those two related? And they're like, no, no that's, that's just, just a myth. Yeah, that's just a myth. <laughs> Which when you're trying to be expected to forget and then they keep reminding you right. of the things you're supposed to forget, it's like, why even put this in here? Yeah. Um, but that's fine. Again, part of what I thought was like, Ugh, like this is trash. So the first half of the movie, I was just like, oh my God, this better get better. Or I'm just, I'm so mad that we went to come see this. Have you ever walked out of a movie? Yes. By the way? Okay. So were you even, were you considering walking out of this? Or no. Was, it wasn't that bad. No. Okay. Not where I was going to walk out. Okay. And actually the movie I walked out of was a horror movie. Okay. Uh, Hostel for those that are curious. <laughs> Don't see Hostel. And I got my money back. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but so it was just, 
they were trying to force things like for Michael to care. Again, the big thing with Michael is that he's emotionless, that he doesn't have feelings towards these horrible things that he's doing. Um, and they're just like forcing him to, to care. They bring in these investigative journalists that ironically enough are trying to put together a podcast. Yeah. It's just like, why do, why are they doing this podcast? And why do they care so much about Lori and, and Michael's connection? If again, they're not related and we're supposed to be forgetting all these details. Right. It's like, what connection? She was some rando babysitter that he was. Right. It just happened on one night. Right. And she, okay. She happened to survive. But like, other than that, why would Michael care so much about Lori? Right. And why do they care so much? I, I mean, I can get on board with Lori just because she's a surviving victim of his and no one had ever survived and fine. But I just didn't get the investigative journalist thing. So I was not in it for the beginning. Right. Then there's a point in the movie, which I guess if we're really getting into spoiler yeah, alerts, please. there's a huge twist in the middle of the movie Okay, that just ramps up the energy of it. And it's like, okay, now we're off to the races. And this has become a movie that doesn't feel cliche, one that I want to watch and I need to see what happens. Okay, So Loomis is still dead, Dr. Loomis, who's in the original and stuff. But right. some For those of you who don't know, he's the, the psychiatrist who is in charge of Michael Myers after he gets sent to the insane asylum right. in the original. So, you know, Loomis is dead, and so someone else has had to take over kind of Michael's treatments. And so that doctor is in this movie, and um, there is a scene where he's in the car with Lori's granddaughter at this point, and they're with one of the sheriffs who we're, we're supposed to believe was in the original movie and one of the first ones to the scene, even though it's a different actor now, but fine. The doctor, the sheriff, and Lori's granddaughter are in the car. She's in the back of the vehicle. And again, it's like a cop car. So the doors are locked. There's the cage. So she can't get out of the back seat unless let out. Michael is in the street. Essentially, they run over Michael. But then the doctor turns on the deputy sheriff and, and it's kills him. No. Oh. The doctor kills the sheriff out wow. of nowhere in the street when they go to check to see if Michael is alive. Okay. And it's like, what? the hell is happening. So the doctor kills the deputy sheriff. Lori's granddaughter's freaking out in the backseat. she's trapped. Trapped, cannot get out. And now you're realizing that the doctor was trying to like help Michael or like trying to understand the satisfaction Michael would get from killing. He takes Michael's mask and puts it on. So now you're thinking, is Michael dead? Is he now gonna like, pick right. up Michael's mission to go after Lori? What's happening? He then drags Michael into the back seat of the car with Lori's granddaughter. I mean, the energy just completely changed in the theater and it was like, oh my God. So now you have passed out Michael in the back seat with Lori's granddaughter and she is just flipping out. You're not sure what's happening with this crazy doctor now, but you, you are realizing that Michael's not dead. So it's just a moment until he comes to and then what's going to happen. Right. But I will say before that, there are some really well done scenes. One of my favorites is a motion light scene. You know how like people will set them up in their yards or their driveways mm -hmm. so that motion like sets off this huge floodlight so yeah. that you can see everything. Well, there's like a drunk teenager essentially and Michael is in the yard and he thinks it's like the person who owns the house, but the light keeps going on and off and each time Michael's closer. It's just a That's really creepy. well done scene. It's yeah. really creepy. It's really scary. Really well done. 
Anyway, so then the second half you get more into, let's bring up Judy Greer. This is a great time. Yeah, let me set this up by saying, so Judy Greer plays Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter in the film. Right. And for those of you who have followed Judy Greer's career, she's mostly played a sidekick and sort of gets the, the shaft when it comes to really big moments. But there was an interesting Ringer article that talked about how this movie gives Judy Greer like a chance to shine. So did you like did you like that? It's kind interesting because I did read this. The end? Well, I read this article when you sent it to me, and I she has a huge moment in the end of the movie, but I still don't think it makes her well, a star of this movie. No, I don't. I don't mean a star, but it sort of subverts your expectations for who she has played for most of her career because it gives her a moment to sort of be in the a hero crucial spot. piece of of yeah, yeah. And kind of the solution, you know the resolve of the movie but it was a great moment honestly I, I am still surprised that Judy Greer took this role I think it could have been anybody in this role and it would have been just as meaningful of a moment so the fact that she still chose to do it is still a little surprising I want to believe that Judy Greer is better than this movie because she has been in some great movies again not because she's been in a particularly good part but the movies have been really successful, and she is. She's the great best friend. She's the, you know, weird friend. She, and she's really made a career out of that in a really successful way, too, which is, I mean, impressive. She's continued working for a really long time. Is there a chance that they have set it up so that she could take the reins of the franchise after Jamie Lee Curtis decides that, you know, five to ten films in the Halloween franchise is enough for her? Honestly, the way this movie ends, they do that more so for the granddaughter okay. than for her as right, the daughter. Right, because Michael Myers has a thing for like teenagers and killing them. Well, not only just that, but the the final scene of the movie also includes them in this car. It's the three of them kind of hugging each other and the, the granddaughter still holding the knife. It's kind of this weird moment where like now she has the knife and you're kind of left with this moment of, because in some of the previous sequels, there's one where... Um, Michael has a niece uh-huh. that oh, he yeah. finds out yep. about, and she becomes she kills in the end of the movie after being the one who was running. Okay, all so the that's movie. sort of a maybe she'll turn. It, it kind of leaves you with this moment where you're like, why does she still have that knife, and where is this leaving it open yeah. for? Maybe she takes up, you know, the who knows, right. and how how the trauma will affect her because this movie really is about the trauma of Lori, how it's affected her and her family for all these years. I mean, it's forty years, and how they've never been able to have this normal life because she's always afraid Michael's going to come back after her, and she needs to be prepared for that. Her daughter needs to be prepared for that. Her granddaughter needs to be prepared for that. So it's a really, no, I don't think they would ever make Judy Greer the lead of a sequel. Poor Judy Greer. I know. It's <laughs> she'll, just, she'll never be the lead. But again, she's in these successful movies. She continues working. I don't want to like downgrade the ability for her to do that for such a long time. She's going to prove us all wrong and win an Oscar for best leading actress one day. Like, and again, this was in the article, the Jurassic Park role. It's like, Judy Greer, why did yeah, you why take did that she role? Yeah, why did she do that? That's so minimal. Right. But like, you know, she's on Showtime right now. I'm kidding. Yeah. Excellent. Great. You know, something steady. She's done another TV show, which I I guess didn't do well because it's not still on. But she keeps finding this work and good for her. But little bit roles like this. Pays the bills. Jurassic World pays the bills. I mean, I guess that's true. Why why would you turn down a huge blockbuster that that's true? Okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about Michael Myers as a villain. 
And where does he rank for you in terms of villains in horror films? I read this thing recently that said Michael Myers never runs. He never uses a gun. So pretty much the only thing you have to do is keep him within eyesight, like 15 feet behind you, and you're fine. That's harder. That's easier said than done. But here's the thing with Michael. And again, this goes back to when this movie originally came out. What that movie did at the time and what it meant to the horror culture at the time that it came out, it was bringing the boogeyman into one of your safest spaces, which is your house. You know, that concept in itself is terrifying. I mean, the original Halloween, they keep referring to him as the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that that emotionless face, that white mask. I mean, it's like the William Shatner mask or whatever. But, yeah. you know, it's it's emotionless, like the fact that you can't stop him. And again, keep him in eyesight. He disappears so quickly. And it's it's crazy. And, you know, I recently rewatched the original um, before I went to go see the new one. I will say I don't think it stands up as well compared to newer horror flicks. And I think that's because they've raised the level in so many ways yeah. on, you know, things like gore, things like fear, you know, things like that. Even watching the trailer for the new one and watching the trailer and clips from the original because remember i can't sit and watch this whole thing by myself so i had to watch in broad daylight on a computer a teeny screen but even the new one looks like creepier oh and they amp everything up let me tell you at first i didn't think they would the second half of the movie like i said not only is there new energy oh they amp up michael and they amp up his gore and they amp up what he can do to you and they even made the the mask a little creepier like it was like a little more worn and it looks a little like I don't know, like, it just looked creepier. Like, I honestly don't remember any blood in the original Halloween. None. Um, it's It was still very scary, and there's, like, little pieces of it. And, and you know, it's very limited. In this one, oh, my God, there's some stuff in there that we were, like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we not were, for the faint of heart. We were wiling out a little bit. So where does he rank? So in terms of, you know, you think of other famous horror villains, like in Scream, and you think of Nightmare on Elm Street... Like, yeah. is he is he up there? Well, in it, the pantheon, in the Mount Rushmore of horror villains, I think he's up there in the sense that. By the way, creepy. <laughs> creepy. It would be creepy if you had a Mount Rushmore of horror villains. <laughs> That's pretty creepy. Michael has to be up there because he's so iconic, and he was one of the first. And he set the bar. Yes, he set a bar. He was a staple of of this whole genre. It's it's very crucial to remember Michael Myers and what. The fear he brought at the time, you know, the concept. I mean, it is terrifying. But I will say someone like Freddy Krueger, who not only can he get you in the general world. Oh, no, you can't go to sleep. Right. That man gets you in your dreams. You're not safe anywhere. Yeah, right? he's probably on the, the Mount Rushmore. Too. I mean, he, he's he's pretty creepy. The other thing with Michael is you can't kill the guy. I mean, yeah. he's been shot. You can't kill him. He's been blown up. He's been lit on fire. Yeah. He, what kills Michael? I mean, we really don't know. And and here's the other thing. We think Michael's dead in this one. Probably not because Michael's never dead. He always finds a way to still be alive. I mean, yeah. and so that concept too of just an unkillable killer is... Is scary. Yeah. Okay. So let's shift a little bit to just talking about horror movies overall. And we're not going to get super into this because maybe we'll do a whole other podcast about horror films. But... I want to ask you because this film, the Halloween film, is in a subgenre of horror films called the slasher films. And I want to know from you where you as a movie fan and a horror fan 
really put slasher films. So other popular horror genres, we have supernatural horror films like The Ring, The Exorcist, Paranormal Activity. I would say growing up and in high school, it's like, yeah, horror movie, whatever it is, let's go see it. Now I do not care for the supernatural stuff. And what is it about them that you don't like as much? Part of it is I think if you're a religious person, these movies take on a whole other layer. And if yeah. you truly believe in possession or demons and ghosts. That gets extra creepy. It, it gets extra. I mean, there's a whole extra layer to that. And it almost feels wrong watching a movie for fun about that if yeah. you think it That's fair. slightly exists. Yeah. It, they're so dark. I mean, yeah. and there's usually like levels of like witchcraft in them. And I mean, The Ring, that for a PG-13 movie... I saw that in theaters. That is easily one of the most scared times I've ever been in my life. That movie is. Yeah, I won't even. I won't even terrifying. watch clips online. That, that one. That one for me. That's out. Okay, so we also have horror films like psychological horror films. So things like, The Shining, Black Swan, Get Out. Last year's big incredible movies. Big film. All of them. So you you're a fan of psychological horror. Oh films. yeah, I mean, yes. I think they play. They tend to play at a higher level of. They like, go deeper too. Exactly. And even I've seen Get Out because uh, Tiara... Excellent movie. Tiara convinced me that it wasn't super scary. And it's scary in a different way. And mm -hmm. I had the chance to talk with um, Lil Rel, who was in the film. And he said that one of the things Jordan Peele told him was that the horror was really the racism of America. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. like the horrible part. Mm -hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so then the last big subgenre, I think, is comedy horror films. How do you feel about these? So we have okay. things like... We have things like Shaun of the Dead, Beetlejuice, Zombieland, Ghostbusters might even be considered in that genre. Yeah, it's really hard for me to label these horror. Like, they are funny movies, you know. I think even when you said like Zombieland, it's like I don't I don't find zombies scary. But then you think of movies like 28 Days Later, which are ranked up there. But again, that's very few and far between where you have zombies that are fast moving or that are not kind of hilarious to right. see. Or like I Am Legend. W weren't they zombies in that? And that uh, was they were like fast moving and creepy. And yeah, I don't know if that I, would be a horror film. They weren't exactly zombies, I think. But but yeah, they were fast moving. They were very creepy. And they were like cave dwelling. Right, right. And they were like in the dark. I mean, yes, okay, I Am Legend is also a good example of that. Or like, you know, The Walking Dead. Again, these are things that are not necessarily scary, but these elements from the horror genre are in them. And so you feel like you kind of have to classify them as such. Right. But, you know, the so movie... So they're horror-esque, the, but not necessarily It's like the movies in. aren't about those zombies. Like, it's about the people, which was something like Michael Myers. Yes, the movie's about Laurie, but, like, it's about, like, Michael. And, like, why is Michael doing this? Who is Michael? Like, yeah. you know, things like that. Or, like, Freddy. I mean... I mean, terrifying. It's like, who is this guy who can like reach into your dreams and like yeah. kill you? And, really creepy. I mean, really creepy. And again, I also haven't seen like the bajillion sequels to Nightmare on Elm Street, but the original Nightmare on Elm Street, the concept of that movie, which is based on a real article that um, Wes Craven oh, I do read not like that. of this kid who was convinced that if he went to sleep, he was going to die. And then when he actually went to sleep, did die. No, no. That Cancel. was the article I, based. No. <laughs> yeah. I do not like that at all. <laughs> so it was based on uh, this I was scared watching The Sixth Sense and, and oh, Signs. The Sixth Sense, that's another great, uh, and Signs, look at M. Night Shyamalan. I, and here's the thing, people go back and forth about M. Night I really appreciate his work. Yeah, it's, it's always original. Yeah. It's fresh. It's something I haven't seen before. Signs, that movie, 
so well done. And, you know, it's not a perfect film or anything, but damn, was it scary. Well, I think some of the things that make his movies really good and something that made something like A Quiet Place really good and something that I really enjoyed is because not only do they have horror elements, but they really go in-depth into family drama mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. relationships between people. So right. the horror elements exist. Uh-huh, but, but it's not about that. Right. It's a, it, when you dive down deep into the movie, it's about the family. Mm-hmm. It's about the relationships. And I think that's what makes those that's movies... That's the huge distinction to make, I think, between something like a slasher movie where it's like, it's about the killing. It's about right. the kills. Look at the torture genre, right? You know, you have your like hostels and touristas and... Saw and Saw, Human Centipede. Which, here's what I'm going to... Human Centipede. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say about Saw. The first Saw, you better believe that's like in my... My top three horror movies forget the others even though number two is pretty good the original saw yeah it has a great ending one of the most the easily top three best twist endings in cinema obviously there's something about the genre that people just love they love to be scared and even me like when a new horror movie comes out i mean we definitely do not see many of the horror movies that come out these days. But there are times where I'm like, you know what? I'm in the mood to be scared tonight. Like the new It. I've never felt like that. Not one oh time gosh. have I ever felt, oh, <laughs> I want to be scared. The adrenaline of it is fun. Like, come on, The Quiet Place, you had fun in that movie. It's an adrenaline rush exactly. trying to, no, it's an adrenaline rush trying to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night with no lights on. <laughs> yeah. I mean. That's God, my that adrenaline movie. rush. Quiet Place is so fantastic if you haven't seen that. I did like that. But like, you take It, you know, it was it was a Stephen King novel. They made a mini series, a very long mini series back in the day that's much more humorous than scary yeah they amped it up yeah even the trailers look creepy and now they made a ton of money and now they're gonna make a sequel oh yeah like i just there are some fantastic scenes in that movie that are just like they kind of get burned in your brain i was even saying the last one i'll mention final destination movies again something else i grew up on and again this wasn't this is by no means one of the better ones final destination 2 when I'm on a highway behind a truck with stuff with in the back, I still think things are going to fly out of the truck and impale me because of that movie to this day. Yeah. And it's been, what, like decades? Like, nope, stuff's going to kill me. I have premonitions because yeah. of Final Destination 2 that I will die on a highway <laughs> because something's flying out of a truck. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. I mean, me too. I used to think about the opening scene in the airplane when I used to get on airplanes oh in, the, in the original film. That's scary. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll do a deeper dive into some horror films in the future. But uh, this conversation even scared me a little bit. So I'm going to have to watch <laughs> some like puppy videos to, to get my confidence back up. Tiara, thank you for joining me. We'll all have you back sometime. Me. All right. Yeah, it was fun. We're back. We're back. Thank you again to Tiara for taking the time to be on the podcast. We hope you enjoyed that segment. And if you liked having a different voice on the podcast, let us know because we'd be happy to bring other people on. Maureen might interview someone one week and I might interview someone else. And we'd love to hear what you want to hear about. Okay, let's jump into our teasers for this week. Do you want to kick it off, Maureen? I definitely want to kick it off. So we're going to do a longer marquee topic about this coming up once we watch a couple of the original movies. But my teaser is A Star is Born, starring Bradley Cooper, also directed by Bradley Cooper and co-starring Lady Gaga. And written by Bradley Cooper and produced by Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Cooper. And also he wrote some of the songs. So did she. Right, but Bradley Cooper did like five jobs on this movie. Yeah, it was awesome, you guys. So I'm not going to get too much into it again because this film is one that has been remade. This is the fourth remake of it. Originally in 1937, 1954, 1970s, something? And obviously 2018. But the film has really stayed with me and I have been listening to the soundtrack like all week at work. Um, It has stayed with me too. 
I did not expect that when we left the movie theater. Yeah. So we're going to do, like I said, a longer marquee topic on this. Go watch it now because there'll be all kinds of spoilers in our marquee topic discussion. So go see the movie. It's really powerful. And I think two Academy Award winning worthy performances. Maybe three. Maybe uh, Sam Elliott. Yeah, The brother really as well. Too. So anyway, it's it's not just a chick flick. I think guys will really like this. I think Bradley Cooper brings a lot of light to this kind of hardcore, you know, drying up rock star role. And it's just a beautiful film. So go see it and then we'll talk about it more. Honey, what is your teaser? My teaser for this week is another film. And Maureen was very nice to let me go see a movie by myself. And last night I was able to go see the film First Man. You guys, it was so cute. Josh was like, it's straight up, it's Wednesday. Like we literally have no plans. He's like, could I go see this movie at the IMAX theater at the Air and Space Museum after work? I don't know how anyone could say no to that. It was adorable and awesome. And it's also really nice to go to the movies by yourself. Well, I wasn't by myself. I mean, there were a lot of people in the theater. But the film is called First Man. It's the story of Neil Armstrong. And it basically covers the nine years before he lands on the moon. And the film stars Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy, who just won an Emmy for her role on The Crown. And it's directed by Damien Chazelle, who directed... 2014's Whiplash and 2016's La La Land won the Academy Award for Best Director that year. This is just a really well done movie. It's very technically well done and the performances from Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy are excellent. And I will say that if you do get a chance to see this movie, it will make such a difference to see it in a theater as opposed to waiting until it comes out on you know, streaming or on DVD because... It's such a big movie. I think any movie about space should be seen in a theater. And one thing that was really cool about this, and the reason that I wanted to go see it at the Air and Space Museum in D.C., was because they filmed most of the movie on 16-millimeter actual film. And then when they get to the moon, towards the very end of the movie, they switch to 70-millimeter IMAX. So if you can see it on a full IMAX screen, it is really incredible when they show that last scene on the moon because the entire screen, I mean, we're talking about a humongous, humongous screen and it just feels like you are with them on the moon. So I will say uh, it's not, it's not my favorite movie that I've ever seen. I think it lacked a little bit of emotional depth, but it is totally worth seeing in theaters if you're interested at all in seeing it. I felt this way about the 2017 film Dunkirk that because I saw it in theaters, that's just and such you a saw big that movie. one in IMAX too. Yeah. And that was another one that was filmed in 70 millimeter IMAX. And it just makes a difference when you see it on a big screen. So I'm happy to report that the movie going experience in theaters is alive and well. And this is one that you should definitely check out there. All right. That is our show for this week. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and we would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing the podcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great Halloween!
Shout out to Oliver, who's been sleeping on the chair the whole time. Oh, yeah. Oliver, he's back he's in our good so graces. Good. He's such a good boy. He's just snoozing on the chair, so maybe he'll be allowed in next week. I guess we'll see.